Hello, everyone. This is Jim Kelly. Welcome back to Free Reads. And here's part two of my fantasy story, Painting the Air. As I said last time, I don't really write much traditional fantasy. And what I do write is more like quiet horror or slipstream. Certainly more contemporary than this piece. Why? I'm not sure I know the answer. At the start of my career, when I was still finding my voice as a writer, I wrote much more fantasy. But as I established myself, what editors were buying was my science fiction. A strong incentive, if ever there was one. Certainly my close association with Asimov's science fiction magazine was a contributing factor. My editors there, Sean McCarthy, Garner Dozois, and Sheila Williams, had to make an exception to run fantasy stories. And back when there was a letters column in the zine, we used to hear from disgruntled readers when my fantasy stories appeared on the table of contents. But commercial considerations aside, as I peruse my bibliography, I find that the score or so of fantasy stories that I've written are among my most personal. I guess without the added burden of creating worlds and maintaining scientific rigor, or at least the illusion of scientific rigor, I am able to express more directly my current obsessions. There have been many times in my career when I did not see this as necessarily a good thing and was quite content to disappear into story. Obviously, this is not one of those times. A friend who read this story in manuscript wondered if I ought to display my anxieties so blatantly. Oops, a little late for that now. In a time of profound change in publishing, a writer who has been at the biz for thirty-some years has to be wondering where it's all going. But enough about me and my problems. What's up with the High Constable herself and the Festival of Fans? Will Mahir's utmost get the nod? And what happened to Hool? Part 2 of Painting the Air As the court processed toward the castle side of the Chrysanthemum Bridge, the fan-makers hunkered painfully to their knees. One by one they opened their boxes to show the utmost fans they had brought. Their positions had been determined by jury. Patri had secured second in line. Mahir was third. They had the best chance of having the high constable herself choose one of their fans. Torian rarely dawdled over the judging, and on a day this hot she would want to get it over. Samira, Baz's master, was twenty-fifth. The musicians fell silent as Torian mounted the bridge. Her court followed. As she approached the guildsfolk, Jaya held her breath. Although Mahir's fan was unfashionable, Jaya had no doubt it was a masterpiece of the old style. The blue of the dragonfly's wings spoke to the sky, and the green of the cattails was as cool as the river. The leaf was almost translucent, and when it was spread... The ivory slips that supported the silk were as fine as Jaya had ever seen. 
Despite herself, Jaya hoped Torian would take Bahir's fan and not Patri's. That honor would bring merchants and bankers to the doors of their studio until there was frost on the pumpkins. Jaya glanced away from the procession and shaded her eyes against the glitter of sunlight on water. Where was Hool? Torian never chooses the first in line, Boz explained to the chicken. It would seem too vulgar. The high constable herself lingered over Patri's fan. She actually took it from its box, but then let it rest on her left cheek momentarily. Jaya gasped. She's not going to take it. How do you know? said Damar. Fan language, said Boz. Closed fan to the left cheek means no. To the right means yes. Jaya parted the drooping leaves of the smoke tree for a better view. She's moving on. Y you talk with fans? asked Damar. To say all kinds of things, whispered Boz. Kiss me. Leave me. Forgive me. Jaya could see flashes of green as the high constable herself spread Mahir's cattail fan and held it to the sun to shade herself. I hate you. I love you. Torian spoke to her chief skywatcher, and he nodded. Then she held the fan in her right hand in front of her face. She is chosen. It's over, said Boz. The fan says, follow me. Even from this distance, Jaya could see the master's smile as she closed the lid of the box that had held the prize fan. Then Mahir craned her neck at the crowd on the riverbank, and Jaya realized that the master was looking for her. She shrank into the foliage, filled with foreboding. Had she made a true wish? And what was it? The high constable marched past the line of masters, fanning herself carelessly against the midday swelter. Her retinue trooped after, snatching fans from proffered boxes in their haste to keep up and return to the cool walls of the castle. Nobody took time to admire the splendid paintings on the fans they had chosen. Look! Damar turned first one chicken eye and then the other toward the castle side of the bridge. Startle! Jaya blinked against the brightness of the day and saw a dark blemish on limestone pavers, a blemish that crawled toward the courtiers streaming back across the bridge, a blemish that the high constable herself appeared not to see. At the last minute, Jaya thought to call out a warning. But to who? The high constable herself slipped on the turtle and fetched up hard against a stone railing. The impact knocked the fan from her hand. With a flutter of the blue of the sky and the subtlest of greens, it disappeared into the river's murk. The air seemed to buzz as the chief skywatcher leapt to his lady's side. He tried to help her regain her balance, but she pushed him away. When he stepped back and bowed low, Torian petulantly grabbed his fan and hurled it into the river. They stared at each other for a frozen second, and then the high constable herself laughed her braying laugh. Taking his cue, the Skywatcher broke into a broad smile. Torian gave him an imperious wave of her hand, and the Skywatcher turned to the chief law clown behind him, closed thumb and forefinger over the leaf of that worthy's fan, lifted it 
over the railing and let it go. The giggling clown turned to the next in line, who turned yet again. Within minutes, the surface of the river was covered with priceless fans, bleeding red and blue and yellow into the swirling waters. The court was helpless with laughter. The crowd roared approval. Jaya felt as if she had swallowed a stone. Hool! cried Damar. Don't leave me with these people! For the next few hours, Jaya jostled through the crowds celebrating the uproarious finale of the fan judging, searching for her genie. She checked his rooms and favorite smokehouses and dice stages and dozens of taverns, even the joy hutch where they had first met. He was gone. At dusk, she let herself be carried along by the stream of revelers flowing into Shining Tree Square in the old city. An eighteen fanmakers fainted. Twenty-six, I was there. Watch yourself. Pretty fans, yes. But who for? Sky watchers. <laughs> Witches. Fish. <laughs> hey, give me a taste of that. The cobbles of the square were sticky with spilled drink and squashed fruit. The crowd closest to the river churned to get the best view of the fireworks. Jaya pushed in the opposite direction. There was room to breathe by the ring of trees surrounding the fountain. Jaya, she started. By the dim light of the phosphorescent leaves, she picked out the master at the lip of the fountain. She was sitting on the lap of a bumpy man in homespun brown. My hear? Is this your grandmother, girlie? The man's voice was thick. I'm nobody's grandma. Mahir turned and pointed a mug at him. Dark liquid slopped over the edge. She's a master fan-maker, Jaya was outraged. She won herself's prize today. Then take her, would you? When he shifted his legs, Mahir squawked. Jaya offered the master her arm, and Mahir let herself be lifted off the man. We should go home, Jaya said. Why? Mahir gestured at the city with the mug. What's there? Jaya was shocked. In the two and a half years she had known Mahir, the master had ever maintained an icy sobriety. Your bed and a soft pillow, she said. The studio. Leave it. Who needs it? You're old, you're drunk, and it's dark, said the man. Go home. Mahir pulled a glowing leaf off a low branch, crumpled it, and threw it at him. Jaya tugged her away. As she dragged Mahir from the light of the square into the night, guilt overwhelmed Jaya. Master, listen, I've done something. I didn't mean. Please, understand. Babble, babble, silly girl. Jaya squared her shoulders as if to steel herself against a blow. I've been with a genie. His name is Hool. Uh, we were by the river at the judging, and he turned into a turtle. Mahir's grip on her arm tightened. He, he swam across the river. Torian tripped on him. The master staggered. A genie, you'd say? 
Jaya nodded and then realized that Mahir couldn't see her in the dark. Yes. For a moment they swayed in the middle of the street, Jaya holding the master upright. Then Mahir shook herself free. And your wish? Uh, I didn't have one. I wanted my release, but he said that wasn't enough. I don't know. I don't know. Do you have to say it to wish it? She paused. Uh, I'm sorry. She hadn't expected to say it, but when she had, she knew it was true. You are. Mahir tipped the mug to her lips, then coughed as if she had tasted something evil. Have a drink. No. Mahir shrugged. I will tell a story, one that the masters have been chewing on. Once upon a time, she giggled, once there was a high constable named Jader. This Jader had a hobby. She made fans. Wasn't much of a constable, actually. And the fans, the master snorted. Jader's great achievement was living a long time. Ah, and the festival. Her idea outlived her. <laughs> Who knows why? Maybe the gift of a genie, eh? I need to sit down. She aimed the mug at the curb. There. Master, we... There, silly girl. Mahir started toward the spot and bent but lost her balance and toppled backwards, her legs shooting out. Jaya propped her up, despairing that this awful day might never end. We're mortal, girl. Life seems long, but it's only a moment. A moment. What you don't realize is that everything has just a moment. The castle. The city. She tilted her head back to stare into the night sky. Maybe even the stars. And fans, oh yes. When I was your age, I thought they were forever. But Torian's father had no use for fans. And herself? <laughs> well, you saw. We're a joke. The moment has passed. Jaya stood before her master, looking down in horror. What are you saying? Your wish is granted, Jaya. You have the eye of a master and the skill. She raised a trembling hand and made knifing motions to the left and right of Jaya, as if to cut that which bound them together. I release you. Your moment begins now, Master Jaya. She sighed. But it's not what I would have wished for you. For most, life in the happy city was not much different after that famous festival of the fans. Few took note when the guild of master fanmakers disbanded because there was no shortage of fans. Jaya saw to that, as she became one of the richest merchants in the city. 
Her factory still makes cheap fans of paper and bamboo by the thousands, fans that even a butcher or a clown can afford. These the people buy to toss off the chrysanthemum bridge each year on the last day of the festival of the fans. It is said that if you give a fan to the river on that special day, your luck will change forever. Kelly, thanks for listening. I hope you'll check back here again soon for more of Rereads. <laughs>